grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the Triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word endures forever. Let us pray that we might hear God's voice. Spirit of Emmanuel, overshadow us in the proclaiming of your word. To our confusion, bring wisdom. To our darkness, your dawn. To our restlessness, Jesse's root. To our locked doors, David's key. To us and to every nation, speak your challenge and blessing. Amen. A reading from the Psalms. I will sing forever of the living one's loyal love. I will proclaim your faithfulness with my own mouth from one generation to the next. That's why I say, your loyal love is rightly built forever. You establish your faithfulness in heaven. You said, I made a covenant with my chosen one. I promised my servant, David, I will establish your offspring forever. I will build up your throne from one generation to the next. Heaven thanks you for your wondrous acts, living one. In the assembly of the holy ones, your faithfulness is praised. Is there any in the sky who could compare to the living one? Who among the gods is equal to the living one? God is respected in the council of the holy ones. God is awesome and revered more than those all around. Who is like you, living God of heavenly forces? Mighty God, your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves rise up, it's you who makes them still. Heaven is yours, the earth too. The world and all that fills it, you made all of it. North and south, you created them. The mountains Tabor and Hermon shout praises to your name. You have a powerful arm. Your hand is strong. Your strong hand is raised high. Your throne is built on righteousness and justice. Loyal love and faithfulness stand in front of you. The people who know the celebratory shout are truly happy. They walk, O Holy One, in the light of your presence. They rejoice in your name all day long and are uplifted by your righteousness because you are the splendor of their strength. By your favor, you make us strong because our shield is the Holy One's own. Our King belongs to the Holy One of Israel. The word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman, who was labeled unable to conceive, is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you have said. And then the angel left her. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women and has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed and the Lord would fulfill the promises made to her. Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in you, O God, my Savior, who has looked with favor on the low status of your servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because you, mighty one, have done great things for me. Holy is your name. You show mercy to everyone who honors you as God from one generation to the next. You have shown strength with your arm and scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations, pulling the powerful down from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. You have filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. You come to the aid of your servant Israel, remembering your promise of mercy, the promise you made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Y'all, this scripture is a big one. It is often called the Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary to inform her that God has favored her, that her whole life 
is about to change. And indeed, the whole world is about to change. And Gabriel starts with greeting Mary and letting her know that she is favored. And Mary still was perplexed. If we were to read this in the original language, a more literal translation would be that she was troubled to the very limit of trouble. In other words, she was terrified. And so, obviously, the next thing that the angel Gabriel tells her is do not be afraid. And I don't know about you, but when I am feeling anxious or troubled or even perplexed, the very worst thing that anyone can say to me is relax or don't worry about it. But this is where Mary and I are very different because maybe she was irritated, but her fear entirely subsided as she was able to ask questions and even talk back with the angel Gabriel. And I don't think I need to expound upon how much this announcement threw Mary's life totally off. She was engaged. That is that her marriage paperwork was completed with Joseph. And while we don't know a lot about the particulars of Mary's social life, we, it's pretty clear that she was an honorable girl. It's also pretty clear that she, a Jewish peasant, had a life that was physically taxing. And this pregnancy wasn't only going to complicate her life socially, it was also going to complicate her life physically. If God was to become incarnate in meat, then we have to consider more than just the spiritual implications of Mary's faith. There are certainly physical realities that are present in pregnancy. Swollen feet, back pain, nausea. If we are to believe that God became human to be present with us, we have to hold on to these very human things and not just the gorgeous pieces of bringing life into the world. But Gabriel, in this account, he doesn't stop there. He continues. And almost as evidence he's offering of the miraculous quality of Mary's conception, he also says that Elizabeth, who is Mary's cousin, she's described as old and barren, but she is six months along in a pregnancy. For nothing is impossible with God. And what a lovely story, right? These two cousins are both expecting miracle children and they're able to be together in their pregnancy and they will give birth to sons who will change the entire world. And our 21st century American culture these days is very different than that of the first century Near East. But some things are just the human condition. For instance, now we consider ourselves to be entirely autonomous family units, especially in the age of COVID. Whereas if we were, we are to continue to literally preserve each other's health and lives, we cannot 
physically spend time with people outside of our households. In the same way, we've been for a long time thinking of pregnancy and of child rearing as acts of individual persons, not as a collective human family experience. And we are introduced to Mary alone. But Mary doesn't just take this news on the nose and just go about her life bearing a probably shameful social situation on her own. Mary accepts this news, but she rolls out, not reluctantly or dwaddling, but she goes with haste to Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth was able to greet her beloved cousin, it was not with reluctance or with shame or with fear. Elizabeth greets Mary with honor. Even the baby in Elizabeth's belly leaps with joy. There is a deep knowing that these two women share. They are connected not only biologically, but spiritually. They can truly trust each other. And in the space between them, there is no room for guilt or fear or shame their solidarity with one another as they navigate a spiritual revelation and physical pregnancies that were biologically both impossible, it was deepened, that connection was deepened by the fact that they were not alone. Because you see, although we met Elizabeth and Mary apart from other people, we meet them in the moment where God has come for them. Because even in situations that might isolate them from the social norms of the day, from the cultural expectations of who they were supposed to be, uh, even from the idea of life that they had, God was with them. And God gave them each other. The story of Mary and Elizabeth indicates the ways in which we are called to be a comfort to one another. The ways in which we are able to confirm God's keeping, God's promises to humanity. Friends, we, not just this church, not just this town, not just anything, but we, humanity, we, are called to be a collective. We are herd animals, and we get the privilege of relying on one another. And we get to trust that we will greet each other with honor, that we will encourage and support each other. Even when we find ourselves in situations that society might frown upon. We are not called to be allies, but as social worker and feminist activist Feminista Jones says, I am not interested in allies. What we need are co-conspirators. This really makes sense because what we're doing is conspiring to shut down entire systems of oppression. We are challenging that system and so we have to conspire. 
We have to plot and plan the ways in which we can tear these systems down. And friends, the Magnificat, which we heard earlier, which is Mary's song, only came when she found her co-conspirator in Elizabeth. Because what else is the Magnificat except a promise that God is going to grant justice for the poor and that it is going to be on earth as it is in heaven without systems that oppress. Friends, I don't think any of us could have anticipated the season that we've been in last Advent. And reflecting with a group that hosts, I host on Monday evenings, we realized that we thought we were gonna be on a two week hiatus and it was quickly turning into a year and it will very likely be longer than a year. We have been thrown into a life altering situation. One which requires us to faithfully consider the ways that God wants us to care for our neighbors and one in which we have the opportunity to be just as brave as Mary when she says, let it be with me according to your word. But we cannot do that alone. Friends, so what if we, in addition to being brave like Mary, are also called to be a comfort like Elizabeth? What if we are called to greet each other with honor and to live into an abundance? What if we are called to believe the very best about each other and to assume others' good intentions and to love them without reservation, regardless of their social, spiritual, or physical status? Siblings, I don't need to tell you how divided the world is right now. The empire is active. But we have to remember that two pregnant Jewish peasant women, one really old and the other really unmarried, were the first who were tasked with bringing about the realm of God in the Christ story. This Advent season, well, it's strange. We are not able to be gathered together in person with our church family or maybe our blood family or our chosen family. We are not able to be in our church buildings to hear the organ playing live each week but friends, this season of Advent reminds us that we, we Christians, are in a perpetual state of a kind of pregnancy. We have lived in the already, but the not yet, for 2,000 years. And this liminal, this threshold, neither here nor there space, where Christ has come and is here and is coming, and in this space, with each other, we can live into the joy of Mary's song, the Magnificat, which she was only able to articulate after she'd spent time with her beloved cousin, Elizabeth.
our very souls can magnify the Lord. And friends, even though we are not able to be together physically with anyone outside of our households or with anyone who isn't part of our social distancing pod this year, we still have been given to one another by God. And friends, it is entirely up to us to remember that we, no matter how alone we are physically, are never alone. God is always with us. And for that, we can always be thankful.